Happy New Year. Welcome to the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping It Real. We are back here back. with installment number 151. We had our big 150th uh, podcast. It was timed so well to the end of the year. It was, and it wasn't even intentional. Uh, this is Jim Vavita, Stax, joined, as always, by Chris Carl. How do you do, guys? And some sad news. Yeah, we have a bit of sadness. N- not, uh, not by Eric Morrow. Uh, Eric... Uh, you know, it's the beginning of a new year, and now the beginning of a new journey for Eric. He uh, has pushed on from IGN to greener pastures. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, but he is—he uh, has moved on, so he is no longer with us, and uh, obviously won't be sitting in anymore and keeping it real. But we thank him for all his contributions, for being a part of not only the the podcast, but the uh, IGN Entertainment team yeah. for a little over five years. Yeah, we'll miss him on the podcast for sure and, and, and in the office, and uh, and you guys can show him some love by bombing his Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> and honor from all I'll say is Cuba Libre. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a recording of Eric leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. We'll no longer have secret <laughs> recordings of Chris Carl talking about how much he loves The Flash. But it's we'll see true. what we can do. Maybe every now and then I can pull out a, a, an oldie but goodie and surprise you. It's true. We can, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll try to weave Eric Morrowisms in to keep, his, keep the fire burning strong. Well, although we don't have Eric Morrow with us today, we are going to be joined shortly by a very special guest, uh, the lovely and talented, as David Letterman might say, actress Sarah Paxton. You guys know her from Shark Night 3D. She's also starring in this new movie, The Innkeepers. It's available on video on demand and will also be released theatrically. She's going to be joining us here uh, in a little bit to talk about her movies and uh, all that. If you're a fan of... uh uh, Kitty movies from uh, from ages gone by. She was also <laughs> in uh, Sleepover and uh, Ultramarine, and and also in the remake of Last House on the Left. So, oh, that's true. She's yeah, the, she she's was the girl in that movie. So, she, she's definitely got some uh, some horror cred now between Shark Night, Last House on the Left, and now um, the Innkeepers. Yeah, so. which I um, which I recently watched and is pretty good. It's Ty West's new movie. Uh, yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, uh, that'll be coming up in a little bit. But first, uh, as always, we're going to talk about uh, the box office. Now, we've been off uh, for the last couple of weeks due to the the holidays and the office being closed. But um, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, and Sherlock Holmes, Game of Shadows, and Alvin and Chipmunks, Chipwrecked, uh, stayed in the top three spots of the box office for uh, both of those weeks. And last weekend's numbers, uh, Mission Impossible 4 had... um, 38.2 38.2 million, followed by 26.9 for Sherlock Holmes, followed by 21.5 for Alvin. Um, the uh, War Horse opened on Christmas Day, and as of last weekend, uh, it was in fifth place with 18.1 million. Darkest Hour. Not uh, not too good of a not debut there. It's brightest hour. <laughs> exactly. Ninth place debut with 5.2 million. 10-10. Tintin, not uh, not doing too good either. Not so great. Yeah, so, which is too bad because I, I liked Tintin a lot more than War Horse. Uh, I didn't hate War Horse. I just thought it was pretty schmaltzy and uh, it just was trying way too hard, too earnest. To, it was real Oscar bait. Like yeah. what happens when Oscar doesn't take the bait, like yeah. J. Edgar? Yeah. That could be an interesting feature. Maybe. It's true. 
Okay, so um, we're going to kick off the new year with much better predictions. So we're going to leave these old <laughs> predictions behind because we were way off the mark. I had Mission Impossible at $52 million. We all had 10-10. Uh, with the exception of Jim, we all had 10-10. Oh, Eric and I had 10-10 at uh, higher. I had 25. Eric had 29. And then Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, that's uh, not exactly burning up the box office. Underperformed. Yeah, we, we had thought it would be second or third place debut. It actually was fourth place. And it's now uh, it's also it remained in fourth place, and it's it's not exactly um, a smash success. But the studio says that they're still moving forward. Um, well, that's what they're saying now. But there's still an active development on the girl played with fire, which was the sequel. If you guys don't know, uh, the books are, are called the Millennium Trilogy, and it follows Elizabeth Salander. And Mikhail Blomqvist, however he says his name. And uh, there's three books, and there were three original Swedish movies. And now, so, you know, they thought it would be a huge uh, franchise start. Here's the thing, and this is something I don't understand. Oh, we were actually really close on our predictions for the actual numbers of it. I had 20. It was 19.2. I had 20. Eric had 21. We just were off on number two. And you had 21 as well, so you did it. Yeah. Um, Jim wins this box office. You're actually pretty close. Um uh, except Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes, better. actually. Now, that and Elvin, it's interesting to note that, you know, when they both opened, people were saying how lukewarm it was. I mean, I think we even chatted a bit like, does this sure. mean we won't see a Sherlock Holmes? Thing? Well, Sherlock Holmes is hanging in there, and it's it's doing better. It's It was uh, slow to start, but it turns out it has legs. It's the power say. of holiday break, you know. Uh, the original Sherlock came out on Christmas Day, and people are off, you know, for that week usually. Um, you know, lots of, lots of kids off for school. Uh, lots of people home from work, too. Um, so, you know, I, I think it, it did a little bit of that. But what I'm wondering is how in the hell Girl with the Dragon Tattoo cost $90 million to make. Because David Fincher does like a million and one takes. They, you know, just, I don't know. It is a huge price tag for a movie of that nature. And yeah. I think that hurts its chances, actually, of a sequel like... Um, you, you know, they, they were talking about moving forward with the sequel, but they, I, I just feel like you got to get the budget down for a movie like That's that. That's why if they do a sequel, I don't think you're going to see Fincher come back. I think you're going to see somebody, um, working on a much smaller budget that can work faster and is perhaps less, uh, precious about everything, which, you know, it could speak to the, the nature of the, the final product. But the director of the original movie is actually having a, a um, you know, a, a carving out a decent career for himself now in Hollywood. He just directed Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, mm-hmm. was getting some good buzz. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting if they actually brought him uh-huh. to do, like, a Hollywood version of a movie he already made. I wouldn't want to see that. I mean, I've, we've seen that before with things like... Um the grudge. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't I don't think it's that interesting, actually, to, to have somebody do a, a movie twice. And I can't imagine as an artist that would be super um, exciting either. But um, Dragon Tattoo, I think, I think actually could have some legs. I think it actually, you know, could be a good word of mouth. Do movie. you think they just simply opened it at the wrong time? I mean, when that trailer debuted, everyone got a kick out of the, uh, the feel-bad Christmas movie yeah. line. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that's funny in a trailer, but uh, the fact is that, yeah, people apparently didn't show up Christmas to go see that movie, even though it's got this huge book following. Um, what, you know, what do you think? Why didn't they show up? 
I don't know. I mean, it could be that it is kind of depressing material, and people in the holidays are looking to go see stuff with their families and, and so forth. I mean, if they want to, you know, see a dysfunctional family screaming at each other in the middle of the snow, they'd stay at home. Stay at home. <laughs> um, you know, my family was coming up for uh, Christmas. We we did Christmas in Vegas this year, but uh, uh, which <laughs> was Chevy was, Chase there, which is pretty awesome, but. Um, you know, we talked about going to see Dragon Tattoo, and everybody in the family is like, I don't want to watch that, you know, like, some of the, like, kind of more intense scenes with each other. Like, I don't want to go see a movie like that with my mom. Yeah. And I'm not to give away what happens in the movie. You know, it's it's like... But, ouch. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily need to see anything, you know, graphic or sexual with my mom, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe they, they would have been better off opening it this month in January... I mean, yeah. I guess they're trying to get some some Oscar buzz now. It's getting some, you know, uh, nominations by different you know uh, guilds and, and critics groups. But I don't know. What do you think it also says about Daniel Craig? Is he nothing? No, he's not a movie star, is he? He's he's a working actor outside of Bond. I mean, this year alone, now he's had three big disappointments. Cowboys and Aliens, Dreamhouse, and now Girl with the Dag- Dragon Tattoo. I contend that there is only one movie star left, and it's Johnny Depp. Yeah. There's yeah. nobody else out there who opens movies on the strength of their personality. Do you think Downey is there? Almost, is, yeah. Almost, but, but is but he already Sherlock didn't speak? open great. You know? Yeah, that's true. And, you know, like, if, if you're talking about somebody who's going to open a movie, like, I really think Johnny Depp is pretty much it these days. I mean, he's... But do you think his star might be a bit on the wane? Yeah. Even though Pirates Ford made a billion dollars, the thing is, people know now he's a safe brand. He 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 isn't exactly known for shaking things up too much anymore. Which is ironic, considering this guy started off as a sort of he was the the pretty boy TV actor who rebelled against you know the teen heartthrob image and became this quirky dark indie actor, mm-hmm. and now he's the face of Disney. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've I've read interviews with him where he said, you know, I want to. F- I'm feeding my family now, and uh, how much you know, do they eat? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you don't have as well. I mean, I, I think any he any, does own an island. Though. Anybody in the world would. I, I I don't know anybody. You know, there are definitely people who have different standards and stuff. But if what you're doing is securing a future for your family, I think what you do is everything in your power to make as much as you possibly can while you're relevant. You know, you never know when you're going to drop out of relevance. So I don't begrudge him for taking paychecks. Uh, anybody really, you yeah, know, yeah. as long as you're cool with that artistically. And I'm not saying you should I mean, he be. does he does love the Jack Sparrow character. Yeah. I mean, but he, he's this close to opening up a mall dressed <laughs> as Jack Sparrow, you know, a new car dealership in, you know, but Kenosha. It, it's a it's a good point though. Um uh, Johnny Depp, I think, you know, he's kind of like the one guy who can open a movie, but he doesn't open every movie. And and I mean, you know, the, tourists the tourists ended up making money. It's it's one of those movies that was it's still like Superman Returns or Kick-Ass perceived as a financial disappointment where it it did end up making money but you know that that perception and the fact that nobody really liked the movie um i mean that lingers you know yeah, you're not sure. going to get tourists too anytime soon yeah i mean you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know what you're not going to get is Scott Pilgrim too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's roundly considered a failure, um, even though artistically a success. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on to some other news of the week. Akira, 
the live action oh, Warner Brothers God. movie shut down. Production has been shut down while they work on the script. There initially had been some chatter that maybe it was budgetary, but the studio says that they're okay with the budget, but the the script is being retooled. It's kind of an eleventh hour shutdown, and the fourth time this project has been shut down. We'll we'll know in a few weeks whether or not the the plug is pulled entirely. It doesn't sound like it's going to be. They're they're reaching out to a couple of different writers, including Jonah Nolan, uh, who wrote the the two Dark Knight movies, Chris Nolan's brother, and I. Um, you know, he also I think did a little work on uh, Man of Steel. Um, you know, and he does Person of Interest on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're reaching out to him if he can basically do a, a couple of weeks script doctor job on it. Um, he hasn't accepted yet, and no actual, I guess, formal offer has been right. made to these guys. But if you're going to do it, you shouldn't you get on that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I feel like any any piece of news that comes out about this movie just makes me want to see it less and less. Yeah. And, and also, <laughs> uh, there were two actors uh, who were up for the role of uh, Tetsuo. I'm saying mm-hmm. that right, right? Mm-hmm. Tetsuo. Um, uh, Michael Pitt, Boardwalk Empire. Formerly, and then uh, um, oh god, what's his name? Something Dehane or Dane Dehash or something. Like. He's in Chronicle. He's the kid in the poster who's given the finger. Right. That kid. Uh, they're both up for that role. Um, so we'll see. We'll know in a few weeks whether or not Akira is actually going to move forward. But they're, apparently, they're they're hunkering down for the next couple of weeks to try and get the uh, quote unquote iron out the script. We'll see if they pull it off and whether or not Akira will finally get made. Yeah, who cares? You know, Let's hope, <laughs> I, I almost think I almost think it's be, it behooves Warner Brothers to just pull the plug on it because that 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 is not going to make money. Yeah, I mean they've already sunk uh, years of development money into this. It is a known property. And uh, I think now with uh, Dark Knight wrapping up, Harry Potter's done. They need some sort of tentpole. I mean, they have Sherlock Holmes, but as as we just kind of got through saying, it's it's a kind of slow burn commercial um, thing with that one. Uh, so who knows if they're going to rush off to make a, a third Sherlock? Or Learn not. from Watchmen. These yeah. movies that suffer in development hell forever. It doesn't matter. Like I like Watchmen. I've said that a bunch of times on here. I think the movie turned out great, actually. But these movies that suffer in development hell, they, that are passion projects for people, don't make money usually. You know, yeah. even if they are based on beloved material, because Akira, I would say Akira and Watchmen are kind of at the same level in terms yeah. of like the fan love for these these things. But these you know, old '80s properties that that you know. People now have grown up with, and yeah, and Watchmen at least was true to the source material, you know, yeah. to a to a, a large extent, you know, yeah. almost like slavishly so yeah. in some cases. But this, eh. no, I mean it, the fact that you keep looking at exclusively, you know, white actors <laughs> for characters with Japanese names. I mean, I don't know if in the future, just you know, it turns into some sort of George Lucas world where people just get. All different kinds of names that don't really go with what they look like. I mean, but some George Lucas. World. Yeah. Well, we're, hey, we do live in that George Lucas, Lucas world, and it's called Red Tails. Oh Lord, here's yeah. a segue. Yeah. No. 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 Red Tails is coming up soon. We're actually, uh, um, you know, we're covering that movie. And look, I, I'm I'm curious about it. The the new TV spots aren't really doing anything for me, but uh, that's another one, a huge passion project. He's been working on this for years. I was in college out here uh, at a film school uh, in the early to mid-90s, and a teacher of mine went in uh, to Lucasfilm 
to pitch uh, for uh, was taking a meeting about writing Red Tails. This is 20 years ago now, <laughs> almost 20 years ago. And um, he he just he got an earful of very uh, pedantic kind of stuff from Lucas and just walked up, said no. And, you know, it was a it was a story that always stayed with me because it was my first uh, disillusioning anecdote about. Lucas, and then yeah. flash forward a few years, and I saw the prequels. But that's <laughs> beside the point. But you know, Red Tails is another one. He's already sunk ninety three million of his own money into it, which you know to him is just Christmas gifts. Um, but he, <laughs> I also, wish I was on his Christmas <laughs> exactly. list. Exactly. But he also he had an interesting kind of comment this week. He, he was doing some interviews for the movie, and he said that it dawned on him, you know, if this movie flops, I could have set back. The clock uh, for for black filmmakers for a while in terms of getting big budget uh, historical stories of African American history told, you know, and I think it, you know it's weighing on him. Like if this experiment doesn't work, he's going to have hurt, you know, a lot of well, I mean, filmmakers maybe. Well, let's put that to side, that to the side for right now, and talk about: Do you think this movie can be successful? Do you think there's a possibility it will be? You know, like we'll make its money back. No, I don't think so million, No, I think the most it'll make if it's lucky, he plays its cards right, is maybe forty. I mean, even even so, they sh- like they should release it video on demand too. Maybe it would do better there. It's not going to do like Pearl Harbor money, even though it's like yeah. a similar, yeah. you know, idea. It just for me, I feel like it, you know, passion projects are great, but maybe not when you're sinking ninety three million dollars. Maybe when you're yeah. sinking ten million dollars into it, and the stakes aren't as high. I mean, I would imagine a lot of that money went into the effects. I mean, it, sure. the, the aerial combat stuff looks great and all that, but um, you know, outside of Terrence Howard and Cuba Gooding, neither of whom are you know box office draws, um, you know, and Brian Cranston. There's, uh, you know, there it's there's largely um, a, a lot of unknown or up and coming actors. Yeah. I think Method Man is in there though. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I mean, whatever. I Wish would actually, luck, you know, I would actually like to see it do well. Just you know, just for the the reason that George is saying, you know, it, I, it would I, be a nice underdog story to have. Uh, you know, I feel like we're always talking about like, oh, that poor movie cost too much and it didn't make money. You know, yeah, yeah. it'd be nice to actually have one. Where you're like, yeah, this thing actually made a, a bundle of money. People huh. liked it, and you know, you have something positive to talk about. I mean, with 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 Lucas, I don't think you know he's in any danger of running out of money. So, Mark Lucas? I, I said Lucas with Lucas. Oh, and, with Lucas. I and, thought you said Lucas. I'm like, what does he have to do? With you it? know, Lucas. <laughs> um, no, with Lucas, I don't think you. You know, I, I'm not going to cry any tears over him losing money on something. <laughs> but um, I, you know, I I, I definitely. There are certain movies that you don't that there are movies that you definitely want to fail, like I wanted white chicks to fail like no tomorrow, you know, <laughs> but then there are movies that I wouldn't mind seeing this succeed because I think I think yeah, it's it'd a, kind of it would be you know be interesting what kind of uh projects it could beget um well, let's move on. We have a bunch of news items we got to get through before Ms Paxton comes in um Benedict Cumberbatch Benedict. Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch from Sherlock, and he's in War Horse, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, he's been cast as the villain and J.J. Abrams' Star Trek sequel. We don't know who that villain is. Um, I think it'd be pretty ridiculous if he was Khan, but hey, we'll see. <laughs> but, you know, I think this, you know, the fact that this is the role that um, 
Edgar Ramirez was was up for after Benicio del Toro dropped out. So we're talking about a character that all three of these actors could have played, yeah. which to me leans more towards a Klingon or some sort of alien. Yeah. When you look at all three actors, they all have very interesting kind of bone structure. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, and and Cumberbatch definitely has almost this sort of alien quality to him, and I think that's what makes it work so cool for Sherlock. You know, when does this thing start shooting? Uh, in the next, I think, month or so. Yeah, so come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just announce it already. But doesn't he, he, he kind of looks something like Ben Cross, who played Sarek mm. in the last movie. It's not going to be that, though. It's not Cybok? Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a Klingon, too. Um, and I honestly think, to be Star Trek, you have to introduce Klingons in this movie. Yeah, I think it would be a, a cooler route if you went uh, the Klingon you know, way and rather than bringing Khan, save Khan for your third movie and and kind of leave people hanging about the future of the franchise. Then at that point, but um, you know, I mean, Cumberbatch is uh, a very talented young guy, and it's it's interesting to note that the last talented up and coming British actor to play a Star Trek villain was Tom Hardy. Mm. So we'll we'll see what's in store for Benedict we'll see, Cumberbatch. Har- Hardy was in Nemesis, right? I'm afraid so. Yeah, he's on the cover of that that wonderful film. Yeah, although he does have that kind of it's a kind of a cool thing where he's got his his back to the uh, to the to the camera and he's kind of in shadow and he's got that. The dagger poster raised. looks awesome, but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I think we've done a feature on, or if not, we should do one on awesome poster, shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, we should. No, we did one that was awesome trailer, right? Bad, bad right. movie. <laughs> I've also done a feature called you know awesome soundtrack, bad movie. Yeah, <laughs> there's plenty of those. Crooklyn. <laughs> um, Speaking of uh, James Bond, and we weren't, um, there's some Skyfall. It's 2012, but he's bringing out the classics of 2008 for all to enjoy. Skyfall, 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 Skyfall. Skyfall has been in the news recently. Ray Fiennes revealed that he plays a quote-unquote government agent in the movie. Nice and okay. nice and vague, but of course uh, the rumor mill has gone wild, saying he's M's replacement. Hmm. Uh, we'll see about that. I mean, it could be interesting if he's uh, uh, another double O, or if he was sort of like I don't know. I mean, I could I could fanfic this thing all day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's also some rumors about the plot that Skyfall alludes to um, a downed satellite that all these different uh, groups are trying to to uh, get their hands on what's inside of it um you uh, know i mean we, it, that makes it, sense there there's a you know some fans have already pointed out that that sounds like the um this bond uh novel called uh i can't read my own damn writing it's called, <laughs> all right well it's a raymond benson novel mm-hmm. and uh um I'm sorry, guys. I forgot. I can't. Re- I literally can't read my own writing. That's good stuff, right? Yeah, there. that's that's how I roll. Um, Alan Taylor. Uh, this broke while we. Uh, this news broke while we were uh, on holiday, as the Brits say. Uh, Alan Taylor, who's done some Game of Thrones and Mad Men and Sopranos, is going to direct Thor two. Um, let me rattle off a few other. Which is cool. There. Which is cool. I think uh, if you're going to go the. The smaller, cheaper route. At least they get a talented guy who gets good performances, and we'll can, see. Uh, we'll see how what this means for Natalie Portman, though. She was yeah. upset about. Uh, well, she's supposed to be uh, also um, 
you know, there's some talk of her doing the Wachowskis movie Jupiter Ascending. Mm. Um, so we'll see if they bring her back uh, for Thor 2. Uh, I would be curious if they would recast that role because, I mean, she still wants to spend time with her newborn and all that. Um, we'll see. I mean, she might do it, too. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's just not one of those scenes where it's like, you know, she gives him like a cup of coffee and his brown bag lunch, kisses him on the cheek, and then he's off, you know, <laughs> fighting evil. That would be such a disservice. <laughs> I fulfilled my contractual obligation. Here out. I am. <laughs> and out. one day on set. <laughs> um, all right, there's some rumors about the Avengers and who the second villain, the the long-rumored second villain. Yeah, if you listen to this uh, podcast, you probably aren't that spoiler allergic, but you yeah, know, in, just in the heads event up. that this is a uh, an actual case, it's kind of if, if you haven't seen Thor or Captain America or Iron Man, you probably aren't going to see Avengers. If you have <laughs> seen these, then you could probably see where we're going with this. Anyways, there was, uh, uh, I guess, some uh, dis- uh, product description sent out, and they mentioned Red Skull. And so now the understanding or the the belief is that Red Skull is going to be the second villain. If you saw Captain America, the end of the movie, it looks like he gets kind of pulled into the Bifrost by, at the at the end right. of that. So, I mean, that's not completely surprising if they if they bring him back. I'm just curious if if he is like the real power behind this apparent alien invasion or if that's. Loki and, and Red Skull is just there to basically say, this is how you get around. Uh, <laughs> and know? it might not be an alien invasion. We don't know that for sure. So we it could don't be something know that else. for sure. But, um, but let's just irresponsibly speculate. Yeah, let us. <laughs> I think, um, I, I, yeah, I don't mind that. But I, I, with so many characters on the on the hero team... I really don't want it to get confusing on the villain side too. There's yeah. a lot of bodies in this movie now, <laughs> and if, if if this is true, um, so like I just oh man, I part of me is kind of like I I almost prefer that they just go with one villain who's commanding an army, right? Because it's a little bit it's easier just a little to deal easier. with. Yeah, yeah. it's just it, it it make a nice sort of just simple premise. Especially you're gonna have a lot of people come in maybe who haven't seen all of those Marvel lead up movies, right? And you don't want to. Over, you know, confuse them too much with uh, the sort of uh, uh, a nerd backstory. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, parano- Paranormal Activity Four is going to happen, and it's uh, set for an October release. And um, they're going to try and get the guys who directed the third one back, but that's not set in stone at also all. Also, the guys who directed Catfish. And interestingly enough, um, this is just on a personal note, I finally saw Paranormal Activity 2 and 3 because I wasn't really a huge fan of the first one. I yeah. saw it kind of way after the fact, and, and I readjusted my expectations and watched 2 and 3, and I kind of like the series now. Yeah, I, I, I dig it. I mean, it's definitely, I've only seen them on the on the big screen with that kind of crowd thing, and that's kind of part of the... The fun of those movies yeah. is is anticipating the um, hysterical reactions of people around you. So, <laughs> um, some other news. Uh, Bridesmaids 2. Universal wants to make it. Kristen Wiig does not. And now there's some talk that uh, they might do it without her and maybe focus on Melissa McCarthy's character, to which I say, boo, don't make it. Because I loved Melissa McCarthy in the movie, but she's a supporting character. Yeah, Kristen Wiig was what made – she co-wrote it. She's what made that movie work. kind of hate when when – People are like, hey, we're, you know, I, I don't care that you want to do, don't want to do this. I mean, I know it's a money decision. I know yeah, yeah. they're there to make money and all that stuff, but it's like, it's not going to be the same. 
And I can't think of a single instance when they did that and it turned out well. Yeah. Um, Kanye West is uh, oh, qu- boy. says he's been approached about being a quote-unquote creative director for the Jetsons movie. Apparently, he's a big Jetsons fan, and the producer has acknowledged that they are indeed talking to him. What in the hell do they mean by creative director? Like, don't you have a production designer for that? What What is Kanye West going to bring to a Jetsons movie? I don't nothing good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, is George Jetson just going to interrupt everybody when they're talking? And I can't imagine that. Make a big I can't rant? imagine that that would be a good movie you know yeah. like i can't imagine that this is going to be a good movie if this Me is the thought Kanye process i just i i don't know what the what he stands again by becoming associated with that i think a jetsons movie could work i think it might be better to do it as maybe a cg animated movie yeah um but that's another one of those things that's been in development for seriously almost 20 years and uh, since the Flintstones movie got made in the 90s, and I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. If they can make a Yogi Bear movie and a Smurfs movie, I do feel like the Jetsons would have happened by now if, right. it, if it could have actually worked. I just want them to stop making movies based on this stuff. Like, why can't wh- – wh- like, I don't understand why that IP is important to anybody because yeah. you're releasing this for kids now who probably have very limited knowledge, if any, of the Jetsons. And yeah. it's like, is that for their parents to incent them to take their kids to I mean, it, think or? of it like the um, the Honeymooners movie, right? So yeah. the Honeymooners, uh, Honeymooners movie was altered uh, to make an appeal to African-American audiences because – and I had a writer a friend of mine who went out to pitch on this, and he knew the producer who made it. And basically, they realized that nobody – I mean, people respect the Honeymooners. I love this show. But nobody's going to run out to go see a Honeymooners movie. Like, who does that appeal to? <laughs> Geriatrics? I mean, most of the people <laughs> who probably watch that show are, are long since gone. Right. Um, so who, so you, you change it to make it uh, appeal to a new demo. Yeah, and that's what they tried with that movie. Now they made a bad movie, right? Um, I mean, I understand the idea of doing that and updating it to modern day because you know it just doesn't really ring true that if you're going to be an an inner city you know working guy, you know you're probably not necessarily Ralph Cramden, uh, (laughs) Fat Jackie Gleason. You're going to you know be be somebody else. Yeah. Um, So I understand why they did that, but it it just that experiment failed. So. Uh, I mean, are they thinking about trying to do that with Jetsons? And that's why you reach out to guy. I think that's just a, a desperation move. Like, we have this IP. We don't know what else to try. We've tried for 20 years. I think you just let it go. Here's a perfect example of a movie you shouldn't make. And, and it, it's, a, it's kind of a bad example because it happened 15 years ago, so it's not that relevant. But I saw it on TV last night. First time I've ever seen it. Leave it to be her. Remake. Oh my god, I never did see that. I do want to see it. It's on cable? Yeah. It's, see, it's, now I'm actually going to go watch it's, it. It's been on cable. And um, it was so weird. There's lots of... I mean... Isn't the chick from uh, Northern Exposure? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Janine yeah. Turner's in it. And uh, Christopher McDonald is the father, which yeah. is awesome. You know, it's ironic. I'm sorry to cut you off again, but you were watching a movie with Christopher McDonald last night, and he was at the premiere that I was a, nice. I was a covering. So Yeah, he's a... He's a cool guy. Like that guy. He's in two places at once. That's how cool he is. <laughs> He's probably in many places at once. <laughs> Somewhere Happy Gilmore is always playing. But anyway, <laughs> this movie, I couldn't figure out for the life of me who it was targeted at. Like at even in you know, fifteen years ago when it was made, nineteen ninety seven, 
you know, who's the demo for that? Like the the even baby boomers are too old to take their kids to that. Or too, yeah. Or too young, maybe, to or take maybe their kids not to, interested in or that, not right. interested in it. And the tone of it was all weird. It's like they were trying to do Brady Bunch, but failing at it but because see, Brady Bunch, though, because it was you know, it had some very sly humor to it. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh. It's, they were trying to do Brady Bunch, but failing at it because they set the whole thing in quote unquote present day and had all these modern references but everything in the movie looked like it was from the 50s including cars even though they had all these other like okay modern devices it was so weird and then this so you can't get away with that crap in like uh the tim burton batman movies. exactly this kid though the uh, the, the main actor who played beef the beef and Beave. there was wow oh my god dude if if you want to appreciate a movie with double entendre that movie had it all over the place unintentionally um and you know i know it wasn't even tongue-in-cheek it's just that you can't say the beaver in in, yeah. a, in a bunch of sentences without it sounding well, really what horrible. what movie was it where they had the the joke about um the gag about leave it to beaver where they had mrs beaver like oh if i know your father he's probably out chasing beaver <laughs> you know, i'm trying to remember what movie it was that had that line that sounds like family guy but um yeah so i i would not recommend this movie unless you want to see an utter failure at um grabbing a demo um that that, <laughs> that was definitely it and i don't think it was successful when it came out yeah but. no i mean it, it kind of it was around that same kind of uh lump of movies like um the Miracle on 34th Street remake, oh, yeah. which makes more sense because at least, okay, it's a Christmas family movie and, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, it's Jesse just, Eisenberg's little sister was in that, right? Like Haley Eisenberg. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She was the, the commercial cha- yeah, and she was a uh, girl and she was in heat. She yeah. wasn't, she, oh no, the insider. She was Russell Crowe's daughter in the insider. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What was. All right. Well, last news item before we break to bring in, uh, the lovely and talented again, Sarah Paxton, uh, Lily Collins from mirror, mirror and priest is going to play um, the protagonist in the Evil Dead remake. And her character is um, a drug addict who her friends take her out to uh, this cabin in the woods to basically detoxify her. And they think she's crazy when all these, you know, things start happening that she's, you know, they think she's just hallucinating. But no, but there then is an Evil Dead. It's all fun and games <laughs> until somebody gets raped by a tree. That's right. <laughs> That's the tagline, actually, on the poster. <laughs> but, uh, all right, folks, well, uh, stand by here. I'm going to uh, step out for this session. We're going to bring in uh, Sarah Paxton. Chris will be interviewing her about uh, her upcoming movies. And then uh, we will um, uh, bid her a fond adieu and come back with our box office predictions. So thank you very much, and uh, I'll talk to you guys in a little bit. And now for Sarah Paxton. And welcome, Sarah, to the... Keeping it real podcast. Do you like keeping the name of our? Do you like the name of our podcast? I'm all about keeping it real. It's two e's, like real as in Psh. cinema. Oh, I like that. Real. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about uh, how you got involved in Innkeepers. Like, what what's the process? Is it normal audition process or some other crazy way? Um, I got involved with Innkeepers because um, I was actually working on another movie and. Ty West and I, the director, we had a mutual friend in the movie and, um, we were just sort of on set one day and she was on her phone and and she was like, this actress we're both friends with, she was like, um, do you know Ty West? He's texting me right now. He's asking me about you. Uh, have you read a script? You know, his work. And I was like, no, what? Uh, whatever. And, um, so I read a script and I spoke to him on the phone and, um, I really liked the script a lot. The innkeeper script. Um, 
I never sort of get to play that character and the dialogue was just like really natural. And, um, so we spoke, I guess we sort of hit it off. Um, and I really got the vibe of the, of the script and uh, we met in LA and we, we got along and then, um, I flew out to Torrington, Connecticut and we started filming. Nice. So, you know, like you kind of mentioned, uh, the script and how, how it sounded really realistic. And one of the things I was, when I was watching it, I was kind of like, man, this almost seems like improv. Mm-hmm. It's like not improv, but you know, it seems like you're, yeah. you're just speaking naturally and, and, you right. know, sometimes it's like really contrived. So, um, I, I thought that was really cool about this, about the script too. What, uh, what did you do in order to kind of like get yourself stoked to do like the, the scare parts, the scare parts. Um, well, I mean, I don't really like to – I don't want to work on things unless I feel a sort of a connection with, like, the character, the material. Yeah. Um, because then if I can't believe it, the audience is not going to believe it. Um, so that helped that I was, like, really connected to the, the, the character. is so relatable. And um, and not only that, but because we were actually filming in the real inn, like, the Yankee Peddler is a real place that you could, you could walk in there today and feel like you're walking into the movie. Like, nothing's really changed. Um which it's supposed to be like really haunted. Um, right. That helps, you know, I mean the, we're in a basement with only a flashlight on and that is really creepy. So not a lot of acting required on that thing. And the ghost lady like scared the shit out of me in real life. Right. Yeah. She was like always in character. She would, she, she was like wearing these like contact lenses that she couldn't see out of. So she'd like creep into the set and then like slowly turn her head and look at me. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I was like, lady, stop. Why are you looking at me? You know, I mean, she was scary. So that was real. Do you think she totally got off on that? That was like her thing. Probably, bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's like the creeper on the set. You know, like, hey, it's my character. Yeah. I mean, I had to like lay in bed with her, like not to like, ruin it, but things get really hot. Um, <laughs> but I had to lay in bed with her and it was so scary because I'd like lay there and I like she wasn't there and I could like hear her breathing with her like stupid like retina this contact lenses and yeah she just didn't like her she scared me when so you were actually in the location did anybody try to sell you on the hauntedness of it while you were there we we were living in this this town torrington connecticut i don't want to like be a downer on the town right now but um it's a really small town with like a barber shop and a movie theater and like a church and then the yankee peddler and it's like their landmark Yankee Peddler's like this big deal. Mm-hmm. And the town people, the townsfolk, they. <laughs> the good, the good merry townsfolk. <laughs> they, they, it's like folklore. Like they totally believe it's haunted. Wow. Like everyone that works there, like, knows it's haunted. And because the whole crew had worked there before filming Ty's other movie, House of the Devil, they all totally thought it was haunted. And it was weird. Like when you first walk in there, it's just like a really weird vibe. It's built in the 1800s and there's like bad 70s renovation. And. Yeah, it's a really weird place. Um, at night, when I was alone, some weird things would happen. Um, like my doors would just like violently fly open out of nowhere, wow. and no windows would be open. You're just like, Dush! and I'd be like, "Oh, it's the wind, whatever." Or <laughs> like the phone would ring and nobody would be there. Just weird stuff like that. And people had like really vivid dreams, and everybody would like talk about it the next morning. Like. Ugh. Shit got weird last night. I suppose that just kind of like fuels it when you all talk about it and then you're like, oh, I'm looking out for it the next yeah, day. Exactly. True. When we were living there and working there, the whole thing, I mean, it was like camp 
So it does sort of like add to the whole excitement of the ghosts and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was a relatively small crew then as well. Yeah, so. it was. And everyone was awesome. I mean, that's really a testament to Ty. He, he put together a group of people that not only are really great at what they do, but are just pleasant to be around. Because if you're going to be living with these people and seeing them every day for 17 days, <laughs> you don't want to like have some asshole like ruining your day. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, you hear these horror stories from film sets where, like, the, the cast and crew don't get along. Oh, or, yeah. like, you know, you're stuck with one, like, dickhole person the whole yeah. time you're there. It's, yeah. No, it's true. It happens. So we got really lucky with this. <laughs> no no dickhole people. No dickholes. Thank God. <laughs> I can't stand dickholes. So, um... <laughs> Uh, when did you uh, were you previously aware of sort of the Ty West stuff like through your friend had you mm-hmm. guys talked about like what it was like I wasn't familiar with Ty at all just because I don't I'm not I I'm a big baby like I don't go like <laughs> seeking out horror movies like right. once the ring came out I was like I'm done like but Seriously, like I the know. scariest horror movie that's come out in like twenty years. Right, but you, the point I get really scared. Like it stays with me for like a week. Like I, every time I go to the bathroom, I was like, "That bitch is gonna come out of the toilet." <laughs> I'm freaked out, so I like try and stay away. But um, when I did become familiar with him, I was like embarrassed because he's so talented, and to be so young, he's just a- accomplished so much. Yeah, and um, he's like one of the best directors that I've ever worked with. Wow. What what do you think it is about him particularly that makes him, you know, so good? I think that uh, what it is is that he he's so specific and he knows exactly what he wants to do. Um and he's a perfectionist. So that makes my job so much easier because you work with these people who like don't know what they want. So they they will film, right. they will shoot every single shot from every angle like pretty soon we've got like the telephones pov you know what i mean like (laughs) nuts because they're like oh we'll just get everything and then figure it out later he was like we're gonna do this once we do it we move on we've got it we're done let's go um and we would finish like four hours early every day wow yeah it was great and then we'd like go to the bar i was like (laughs) yeah well if you're gonna finish four hours early in that town it doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun there was a bar in the hotel so we just like all right Grab the Miller High Life and let's go. <laughs> there was some like um, uh, sort of shades of The Shining um, yeah. in that movie for me, where like you're drawing into the picture right. and then you know kind of go around the corner and stuff. I mean, obviously nobody's seen it, so right, yeah. but um, you know, did you did you when sitting in the bar? Were you ever like, hmm? Yeah, the no, Shining. It was totally Shining esque. It was. It was. I mean, Ty always says because I've been with him for like the past week, listening to him speak on every single interview. So he'll probably say something like. It's really hard not to put a steady cam or like I mean a, a camera on a dolly and put it through a hallway and have somebody not reference the shining, you know, right. which is true. And being in there, even the bar was creepy. Everything about the hotel was just really odd. So it was definitely shining esque. Yeah, and yeah, well, you just hope that that dude from the the Shining Bar doesn't show up to Red pour your drinks. I'd like go down the hallway and I'm expecting like the little girls like we want to play with you, Sarah. Come be with us forever, and I'd be like, no. I won't. So you're not a big fan of horror movies, but what would you say? Um, I mean, obviously you can appreciate appreciate sort of the craft of them. So what do you think is the best horror movie? You know, of the classics. Of the classics. Well, okay, The Exorcist scared the shit out of me. I'm still scared of that thing. I'm yeah. Jewish and I sleep with a rosary next to my bed <laughs> ever since I was a little kid because I'm so fucking scared i can't even handle it like after i saw that movie when i was eight by accident i like went through the Whoops. family like vhs cabinet and i was like what's this oh no but you watched it to the end 
Oh, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. You're just a glutton for punishment. I know. And I watched it with, like, all my cousins. And in the middle of the night, they went under my bed and started shaking my bed. And I was like, I'm being possessed. (laughs) The power of Christ compels you. (laughs) You know? So I'm still traumatized. And Poltergeist. Like, little blonde girl stuck in the TV. Hello. I think Poltergeist is really underrated in terms of how scary it is. The clown? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here, clown. Scary. Don't do it. (laughs) No, don't. I have to say, I like that you're a person who keeps her bases covered and that you are going to rock the rosary. (laughs) You're you're just like, I don't, you know, in, in, in. Just in case. Yeah, exactly. In fear, there is no denomination. You never know. Yeah. You never know. You never know. So, um, what else you got cooking right now? Let's see. I worked a lot this past year. Um, I looked at your IMDb and it was like 18 things that are in post-production right now. I know. Um, So once my job's done, like, I don't know what happens with them. So I'm guessing they come out this year. But I did a a few independent movies. I did a movie called Static, which is another sort of ghost story movie with um, Milo Ventimiglia from Heroes. Mm -hmm. And I did another movie, which is like a murder mystery called Liars All. Um, You know, like Sarah Paxton in the drawing room with... A pipe, you know, kind of thing. And um, <laughs> right. then I did a, a drama called The Boys of Abu Ghraib. So, yeah, that sounds that's a, a that's light. It's a light light comedy. Yeah, yeah. I play one of the detainees, obviously by my complexion. You can, <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, no, um, yeah. So that I did all that. So hopefully that comes out this year. We'll see. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously with, with so much going on, do you get a chance to kind of see things as they come out? Or is it something where, like, a movie will come out and you'll be, you haven't seen it for a while? And uh, you, t- you talk to people every once in a while and they'll be like, I haven't even seen this movie I've been in. Does that happen to you ever? Um, no, that hasn't happened to me so far. Um, with Innkeepers, I saw it with an audience. Like, Ty wouldn't let me see it until it was like, done and he wanted me to see it in theater so i at the south by southwest um, film festival i saw it there with like this huge audience and that was awesome um but generally i'll i'll see what i'm in i usually go to the premiere or something but um i i don't really i don't like watching myself i know everyone says that but i it's i hate the sound of my own voice yeah you can tell you can see why just from listening to this yeah um, no i can't but it's cool it's yeah i mean i think it's weird anytime you see or hear yourself it's like, weird. in a different light it's yeah, yeah it's and you want to be like oh why did i make that face like i should have made this face you know or stuff like that yeah yeah well i mean it's not i mean you're always going to be your your own worst critic of course do you track what's said about you like online or anything no i don't i really don't give Smart. a shit i don't care <laughs> I really could. I don't. I really could care less. Like it's not. Once my job is done, like I'm paid to come in and do this job. Like mm-hmm. that's done. I'm over it. Until I got to come back in and you know talk about it later, a year later. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, no matter what you do, there's gonna be people like Sir Paxton is like the ugliest, fattest <laughs> yeah, yeah. piece of shit yeah. ever. And I know I'm it's like, awesome. I'm like whatever. I don't care. Yeah, I, I go on camera once in a while, and and uh, the YouTube comments are always my favorite. And oh. it's actually it's actually like fun, like more fun to me than it is <laughs> like actually hurts my personality. I'm like, wow, that's what everybody thinks of me. So yeah, like, no, that's true. I think it's yeah, funny too. it's kind of it's kind of like I, I'll once in a while I'll take the worst things that are said and <laughs> yeah. and they just kind of put those out on youtube like yeah this is what youtube people are like yeah it's pretty awesome yeah um cool well thank you so much for coming in and chatting thank with you us so today much. and uh you know i mean that <laughs> tongue tied do you see what i did there yeah it was I saw complete that. radio faux pas it was um, that was a brain fart right there that was terrible terrible mm-hmm. so that's a terrible way to conclude our interview but I know. thank what you so the much fuck? for <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks so much for coming down today, and uh, and everybody check out Innkeepers. Yeah, go see Innkeepers. It'll scare you. You'll it's, poop your pants. It's on a video on demand right now, right? It or, is. It comes out February 3rd, though. But yeah. you'll also have the opportunity to go see it in the theater. Bring extra underwear, because you'll need it after bring, you poop yourself. Bring three pairs. Is at least Three pairs. There's at least two poop scares in the movie. At least two. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Isn't she great? So we're uh, we're back here to bring you to wrap this lovely Keeping It Real podcast up uh, with our box office predictions. Now, the only major release this weekend is The Devil Inside, this exorcism thriller from Paramount. It's based on the NXS song. That's right. It's all about the ghost of, of the spirit of Michael Hutchins <laughs> possessing people. Michael Hutchins <laughs> rises above. Um, now, the movie opened up to $2 million in midnight showings, which is very good for a movie that was only cost $1 million to make. However, I don't think there's n- any way in hell, no. pun not really intended, uh, for it to topple Mission Impossible, Sherlock Holmes, or even Alvin this weekend. What yeah. are you thinking? Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I think it could do... I th- I you think, think it could take down the chipmunks, maybe? I think it might be able to do second or third place. But okay. I think Mission Impossible is going to hang in there at number one. I think they're going to do probably, um, I, I would say probably another $25 million. Okay. Um, and then I th- I think, I actually do think Dublin Side, since it's already racked up $2 million, is probably going to come in at about seventeen. Okay. Um, and then I would say um, uh, Sherlock um, at about twelve. Okay. And then, uh, and then I think I think Chipmunks will be right do, after. Do you it. think that uh, uh, well, actually, War Dragon Horse and Tattoo. Dragon Tattoo will will hang in there? Or do you, I yeah. Mean, do you I think mean, War, War Horse already kind of it, it opened strong and then it just kind of uh, floundered a little bit. I think Dragon Tattoo could be around the level of you know what I said for Sherlock around twelve ish. You know, kind okay. of compete for that spot. And then you know after that, I think Chipmunks is going to be under both of those movies actually. Okay. So you don't have to get into too much detail, but All that's right. kind of how I think. Well, it, I'm going to say Mission out. Impossible. As well at number one, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say 26, and then I'm going to say Price is Right. I know exactly. I want that. I want that Cadillac Eldorado. <laughs> um, Sherlock Holmes two second place. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say 16 million, and then I'm going to say Chipmunks third place with about uh, 11 million. Devil Inside, fourth place. I'm going to say $9 million. Nice. All right. Well, that'll about do it for this week's podcast. Uh, I want to give you guys a heads up. We may not actually do a podcast next week. Uh, a lot of folks are on the road, out of town, all that sort of jazz. Uh, a lot I'll be of at CES. CES. The TCAs are going on, so our TV guys are, are uh, busy there. Mr. Morrow is no longer with us. Scott Calora lives in New York. Um, <laughs> so... Probably more than likely not a keeping it real podcast next week, but if I can pull one out of my Yahoo with a with a guest, I will.